In today's episode, we interview Ben Kitchings of the History Voyager podcast. That's right. We're doing our first interview. Stand by, true believers. Here comes another episode of You're Not My Father. Welcome back to You're Not My Father, the best family-friendly podcast from Alaska and this side of Anchorage. I am your host, Thomas Brando Greenman. I am a father, a husband, and my curiosity and the mistakes have given me a world of experiences that I want to share with you and maybe even make you laugh. So our podcast is made for you to learn something positive, something that you can apply to your life as a parent, kid, or otherwise. So without further ado, let's do this. Today's show is not sponsored by anyone, but if you've got some money and you want us to help you spread the word on your product, drop us a line at facebook.com slash YNMF show. In this episode, we'll be talking with Ben Kitchings of the History Voyager podcast. For those who don't know who you are, Ben, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your podcast? Okay. Well, mm. My podcast is called the History Voyager Podcast. I refer to it as an oral history of now. Um, I started out as a deep dive into the Spanish flu and COVID-19. At one point, I was the 15th most downloaded podcast on COVID in any language in the world. Wow. Um, That's incredibly humbling. I used to get emails all of the time. That were like, thank you for saving my family's life, blah, blah, blah. Um, we're just really humbling stuff. I have a background in what I'll call the media. I used to be a entertainment reporter who stumbled into the housing crisis of 2008 before it was called that. Um, so I was... I don't know if I was the first journalist that wrote about this, but I was the first one I was aware of um, that was writing about there's a thing going on here with the economy. And this was like in 2005, 2006, way before that went on. Um, I have a master's degree in history. Um, And like say, I just one day I just decided I'm going to talk to people about this crazy time in which we live my podcast is in the top 10 percent in the world i'm i'm deeply humbled by that uh if anybody wants to come on my show and talk to me um again i i like to talk to average people but also content creators and just really anybody if anybody wants to come on my show i'll I'll give my email for my podcast and he'll put it in the description absolutely but Um, uh, yeah yeah ben um Tell us, tell us about why you started that podcast. I've heard the story, but our listeners haven't. Well, okay. 
Hmm. I was on, well, there's two parts. I was on Twitter one day and I got into an argument with a, a podcaster who shall remain nameless, not him, but his wife. And he's a very prominent podcaster. And I got into an argument with her and it was about, it wasn't about anything stupid. It was about how the party in power loses seats in Congress two years later. That was just, that's just a fact. Okay. That's a politically scientific fact. And I was arguing with her about that and she just, didn't believe it. And I couldn't believe that she couldn't believe it because she had a PhD. And I thought, okay, I have value to add to the podcast space, right? And then the next thing that happened was I was in the doctor's office for some reason. And the nurse was talking about COVID. And except she didn't call it COVID. She called it um, whatever the real medical name for it is. And she was really worried about it. And this was like November of 19 or so. And that's when I started looking into it. And I thought, well, I, I could do a podcast about the Spanish flu because, you know, I, I'm, I love history. You know, I could, and so I learned about the Spanish flu and I learned a lot about it. And I did a, if you go all the way down in my podcast episodes, that deep dive is still there and I'm proud of it. And it still gets listens today. But, you know, I made my podcast into one of the, it's in the top 10% of the world. And I'm, I'm very proud of that. But I see it more as an oral history of our time. And I'm going to will it to a museum later when I pass away. Well, let's hope that's not anytime soon because. Oh, yeah, I'm healthy as a horse. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm super excited to have you on the show. I, I think um, yeah. while yeah. our shows are dissimilar, I, I think, you know, one of the core themes that probably runs through both of our shows is that we're trying to preserve some history. Um, in, you know, in our case, my case, with You're Not My Father, it's more of that fatherly advice when i say fatherly it's more of an honorific you know it's not necessarily um yeah. you have to be a male but it's that that type of advice that stereotype yeah so um i've got some questions for you and, and okay and thank you for being on here because you have the dubious honor of being our first interviewee um so oh wow <laughs> cool um so we're, I've got a list of questions and some of these may be uh, super great and some of them may not be, but um, let's just kind of start off with the first one. How important okay. do you think having a father in your life is? Well, I mean, I could tell you the research, but I, I think my dad is super important to me. I, I, I like my dad. I, I respect my dad. Um we disagree on a lot of stuff. Some of that has to do with generation type of things. Some of it has to do with, I grew up in a major city and he did not. Um, he grew up in a small town. I grew up in, you know, I, I live in one of the biggest cities, biggest metro areas in, in America. So I think that's a lot to do with it. 
so uh, so he had that kind of wisdom from small town that he was trying to apply to you who was living in a bigger city. Well, like my dad will say things like, uh, what was the thing he said the other day? And I was like, damn it. That's, that's good advice. Shit. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't ask you if this is not safe for work, but um, okay. he said, um, what was he? He was talking about how, um, you know, something about the deer and something about how if you have deer, you probably also have foxes and and wolves and stuff. And and so you need to watch out for if you have deer in your in your little suburban neighborhood, you know, like if the deer come around a lot. And post covid, the deer basically run run the streets, essentially. Uh, you know yeah it kind of sounds like a post-apocalyptic movie you see the uh i've seen a couple of them i think where you know there's the lone deer wandering the the vegetation of some major metropolitan city well here's something and i mean this i don't know if this is going to make your cut or not but here's something right in the beginning part of the pandemic like april or April or May of 20 was I was sitting out on the front step or on the front landing. And I was thinking, I honest to God, I was thinking about a whole lot of nothing, like just nothing. And just noticing how peaceful it was. And I thought, I honest to God, I thought, I wonder if those British, if those Roman soldiers on Hadrian's Wall, right at the end there, right at the end of the Romano-British period, I wonder if they ever thought, this is what the end of the empire looks like. Jesus. <laughs> you know, I've got a kind of, kind of similar COVID story. Um, yeah. Whenever I, I think things started just kind of getting ramped up and we had closures and mm. there was certainly a lot of unanswered questions. Um, where I used to live, we were on a pretty, we we're just off of, of a really busy highway. And so mm. you'd hear cars day and night, day and night. Mm. And, um, it was still winter here in, in Alaska mm. and I was outside and it was getting kind of warm. It was about, I'd say probably around this time of year. I think it was like March or April, something like that. But, um, going outside and listening to the traffic and I could count, you know, minutes that would go by before a car would, would mm. pass. And normally it was just, mm. you know, car after car after car. And that, yeah. that silence in between the cars in that diminished, you know, amount of cars coming by was just, it was pretty telling, you know, it was like, this is serious. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I anyway. <laughs> I, I remember something my dad, my dad was a teacher. Oh, was he? When he was working. Was he a history teacher? No, he, he taught, um, what is the word? I'm trying to think of the politically correct word for this today. Um, he taught special ed. He taught, okay. um, 
in the parlance of of the 90s they would call it behaviorally disturbed oh gotcha yeah i don't know what the word is for that in 2022 so sorry but um he used to talk about all the time about how um you know be thankful that you have your mind yeah because he would work with kids that didn't have a didn't have their mind like didn't have i i can't even imagine being 15 years old and already just not having like the brain chemistry was just off it wasn't anybody it wasn't like it was drugs or something like it was just the brain chemistry was just not right right you know but he used to come home and talk about you know some of these kids, I don't know how they're going to make it, <laughs> you know, but I think my dad would, um, so he was in law enforcement when I was growing up and, mm-hmm. um, he would routinely tell me stories about some dumb kid who had done something stupid. Um, and I think it was kind of a twofold process. You know, I think he was venting to me, but at the same time he wanted to use that as a teaching tool to, scare intimidate or educate me into not doing these stupid things and um i remember pretty vividly um he brought home a shoe from somebody that had shot Mm. themselves in the foot you've got this big gaping hole in the top of it and it's just yeah you know the bottom's all just blown out and there's all this blood and gore and um i forget exactly what what he said the the cause of it was but basically somebody was high and yeah mishandling a firearm and um <laughs> it was uh it was a pretty powerful flex if you will you know right. to yeah. come to your kid who i must i must have been like 7 or something like that i yeah. couldn't imagine doing that to my 7 year old but um you know here you go this is somebody stupid and you know f this and s this and all these other words and you know he's he's upset that this happened. You know, he's not upset that, yeah. you know, it happened to, you know, somebody yeah. specific. It was just, he was upset in general. And I, I yeah. guess that's how he dealt with it. But, um, there was a lot of that type yeah. of things where he would pass on knowledge to me inadvertently, um, you know, in a mm. kind of a, a threatening manner. Um, one of, one of my best friends, uh, when I was in my twenties, was a is today a um, gang detective, and you know he used to talk when he was just a police officer and starting in the gang detective situation, right? But when he was just a patrolman, he used to talk to us about you know the stuff he sees every day just every single day. And the thing that he said that always stuck with me was don't ever call the police unless you mean it. Hmm. You know, cause you never know like if we're having a bad day. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, like you don't know cause you're just introducing an- another, you're introducing another person who basically sees the the way he said it was 
It's like I see things every single day that you can't even imagine. And you want me to come settle a, a little argument with your little with your little woman, right? With your you know what I'm saying? Right. No, don't don't do that. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, I have I've heard, I've heard some stories um you know here recently of police yeah. officers who are one one particular example um so i was in the uh anchorage pd's uh, citizens academy um yeah. right whenever COVID happened one of the officers I, I forget what division he was working in but anyway he he told a story he was like there was this particular night and he had to work all these calls and just because somebody calls he's he's got to go he's got to go respond and I think it was something very benign, like somebody had lost something or um, I, I think the I think the real one was an older lady who had caught her husband watching porn and she wanted him arrested. <laughs> um, so he goes through all these different calls that you yeah. know, just aren't really meaningful. And he gets another call of of something suspicious going on. He goes to investigate and this guy had murdered um, a grandmother, grandfather, um, their granddaughter. And in the span of the next 15 minutes, I think he'd killed like two more people. And he had already gotten that call at one point before the lady called him about the, the porn incident. Mm -hmm. If he had responded ahead of time or if he'd known it more or if that call hadn't existed, he could have potentially stopped those, those murders from happening. And, and so it was, it was mm -hmm. one of those things like you could tell that, you know, it was still affecting him today um, right. that, you know, he felt like he, he had to do something well, and not I mean, to really turn this into a political yeah. statement, but, you know, <laughs> police officers in general, you know, there's bad apples in, in every group, mm. but police officers are really risking their lives to, you know, in, in a lot of ways, take out the garbage, if you will. Well, um, that's what my friend was saying was that you just, Whenever you call nine one one, you you're introducing another person. Yeah. And you don't know what their history is. Like you don't know <laughs> you know. Um but he had, you know, similar stories because the county where he worked used to be rural mm -hmm. and then it became suburban and now it's even more suburban. But he talked about how some of the old timers, they just couldn't handle it. They, they, you know, they just couldn't do deal with it because they were used to that little old lady calling about her husband. That's what they would deal with. Yeah. Right. And now you've got people doing all kinds of whatnot. So let's, yeah. uh, yeah, let's, let's switch back to my dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, no worries. This is, this is great stuff. Um, so what's the best advice your father ever gave you? Well, like I said, in the email, the best advice I ever got wasn't from my father. It was from my mother and it was to play Barbies with your little sister. Um, most of the year, my sister and I are eight years apart. So look, looking back as an adult, it was kind of ideal because mm -hmm. we weren't playing with the same toys and I was old enough to think she was adorable. 
So, you know, I would play Barbies with her. And over the years, like, we became friends as she got older. And we're friends today. So that's the best advice I ever got. Um, The best advice my dad ever gave me. God, he's told me so much. Um, I hate well, to say I mean, this, but I'm still thinking about the deer comment and how deep that wisdom yeah. is. <laughs> I'm actually making notes over here, and I'm just uh, like, wow, you know, what a what a jewel of wisdom that is. Oh, um, there was other stuff too, like um, there's some I forget the flowers and the but there's some kind of flowers like I'm not a gardener, but there's some kind of flowers. If you plant those close enough to your, I think it's tomatoes or, or squash or something like your squash won't come in. Right. Hmm. Um, stuff like that. I mean, my dad's a, he's never earned a nickel in his life from gardening, but I, I, <laughs> I would say he's a gardener. He was a gardener first and a teacher second. That's how I would, would have said it. So, so speaking of teaching, what's the best skill he ever taught you? I mean, aside from what a father teaches every son, which is how to go to the bathroom, right. um, <laughs> which, you know, um, how to be polite to people. Maybe that might, that's, that's a useful skill. How to be, my dad, and I don't mean this in a negative way, my dad is a very, um, so I investigate things. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I don't want to say like my dad is a suspicious person, because he's not. But he did teach me to, why does somebody think that? Like, why would somebody say that, Ben? Why is that going on? Like, like, uh, you know how, like, you could have a neighbor who's up to something, and my dad would be like, yeah, maybe don't hang out with those kids. Right. <laughs> because, because reasons. Um, I think we've all gotten that kind of advice from our fathers, mm-hmm. like, yeah. Don't hang out with these kids. I could well, tell you how many times I've gotten that. Well, see, my dad, you know, he, when I was younger, my dad would teach those kids when they were older. Like he, so he saw those kids as they got older. Mm-hmm. And so like, for example, when I was a child, we lived in this subdivision and I don't know the backstory behind this entirely, but there was like a family, like a extended family. And it was like one kid, one house, like one from my perspective as a kid, like one kid lived over here and then the next kid lived across the street. And then the next kid lived two doors down or something like that. There was like four families and they were all extended family. And they were living basically almost kitty cornered to each other, you know? And I remember without dragging the kid's name into it, my dad used to tell me, and he doesn't even remember this, 
but he would tell me like don't don't play with kid x like you can play with kid a and kid b and kid c but don't play with kid x right like don't do that and as an adult i see now it was because kid x's dad was in the clan oh jeez yeah i, I like I, I know that now as an adult I'm thinking back on things I remember but he doesn't even remember that but I remember it from when I was like six or seven <laughs> you, you know, know um, what you know. that makes me want to ask you what do you think about the whole sins of the father kind of concept because you know for your dad to be like you know don't play with those kids I mean, obviously they live with their their parents so there's that, but yeah. what do you think about the sins of the father kind of concept? Do you think that's one of those things where it's, it's impossible to get away from that or. Here's what I think about that. And I'm not, okay. Here's what I think about that. I live where I live in the world because my grandfather on my mother's side uh, wrote letters to this young lady that he met in high school and they married and they settled in uh, Atlanta. And so I live in one of the largest metro areas in the country because he fell in love with his high school sweetheart. Um, and I do think a lot about how if he'd been to Detroit, if he was on, if he really did go to Detroit instead of just staying here, what part of me would be in Detroit? Um, one of my best friends in high school, in college, was um, the grandson of a man who had been a prominent bootlegger. Okay. A very prominent bootlegger and his father so my friend's father was also a prominent bootlegger but nowhere near as infamous as his father was right mm -hmm. okay um and by the time you got to my friend my friend actually married an irs agent so <laughs> you know and and they have actually like she'll she'll have hilarious conversations with him about you know, the reason your daddy never locked the doors to his car was because everybody knew that was your daddy's car and nobody wanted to steal it. Think back to your mom, you know, your mom locked the doors to the minivan. <laughs> yeah. You know, so do I believe in the sins of the father? Uh, sort of. Um, I believe that we make decisions that are on that other generations have to deal with. I do believe that. Yeah. I, uh, for me, yeah. it's, it's kind of a hard, I don't, I don't know, like me growing up, I feel like, you know, my dad, um, and not to disparage him in any way, he, uh, he's not the best person in the world, you know, at mm -hmm. least in today's society. You know, if you look at the 2022, you know, status quo, I wouldn't yeah. really classify him as like a super amazing person, but you know, back in the seventies, early eighties, I mean, he was pretty damn amazing. Um, but now yeah. it, it doesn't, doesn't really wash that, that way. Yeah. Um, 
but you know, I, I think for me, I, uh, like, I, like I've tried to steer myself away from some of like his, his sins, I guess, if you will, and the things that he does bad. Um, well, I mean, but, every, I mean, here's something that I, I do want to say, not as a son, but as somebody with a master's degree in history who spends an awful lot of time thinking about history. Every single person, if you live long enough, is going to see their way of life from earlier in their life questioned by society. I mean, it's just the reality of the situation. Um, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Everybody who lives long enough is going to see that. Um, you know, like, would my grandfather, would either one of my grandfathers be thought of as uber progressive today in 2022? No. Um, but you know, not to get too political, but I mean, who knows what the world's going to be like in 20 years, honestly. I know we're going to be really old. <laughs> well, and I said this on my podcast, we will be chronologically, but I don't know. I mean, the way the medicine's working now, I don't know what some of the things I hear on my show. We're going to be living in straight up science fiction in five years. I'm saying like, I'm just saying. Now, when you say science fiction, like the utopian science fiction or the Terminator <laughs> version. There's a guest I had on my podcast that's working on curing Alzheimer's and they're making real inroads into that. Um, he, he knew somebody who was, they were working on curing heart disease and they're making real inroads into that. If you take those two killers off the table, um, we're going to have a whole new set of problems, but you know, dying of heart disease and Alzheimer's won't be one of them. Yeah, that that would be amazing. Yeah. Um. So I've yeah. got I've got a few more questions for no, you. No, go ahead, go ahead. I've got. <laughs> no worries. I looked. I looked. I've got like five hours for you. So. <laughs> um, how often do you talk to your dad? Do you talk to him every day? Is it you know once a week? Every day. Just every about day. It. Just about it. So tell me, tell me why you talk to him every day? I um. I'm I'm genuinely curious. Is it just one of those things like you've always talked to him every day, or do you think yeah. like is it now? I mean, in there's your no age, real like you want to. There's no real reason. Um, I've had a lot of friends pass away mm -hmm. from uh, from drugs or from. I had one friend that was shot. I've had. Let's see. I had a friend that got shot. I had a friend die of cancer, up and die of cancer for no real reason that anybody could figure. Uh, I had a friend die die from drinking. My the guy I used to make movies with die from drinking. Um, I've had a lot of people die, so so I know to to talk to the people you're around. 
you know, make memories with the people you have. So is that something that you kind of came across in more recent years or has that been like a, like a, a truism that you've had all your life? Well, my first looking back, honestly, like looking back, I thought a lot about this. Looking back, death has been around me all my life. I, my first friend to die was like when I was 10. You know? That's an early and, age. Yeah. And then I had, um, when I was in high school, or was it middle school? I don't even, I, I didn't go to middle school. I, we did elementary school and then right into high school. Um, I had a friend who got a blood transfusion back before they screened for AIDS or whatever. And so he had AIDS from a blood wow. transfusion. So he died from AIDS. And then I had, like I said, I, I had a, I had a friend die of a stroke at the age of 34, um, <laughs> which that's bizarre. Um, actually, one of my best friends in college, people believe, uh, certain highly placed medical people who shall remain nameless, uh, believe was one of the very first victims of COVID. So there you go. <laughs> I'm glad that you don't live in my neighborhood, Ben. <laughs> Why? Because I'm the Grim Reaper. <laughs> you know, whenever you talk about having a you know a friend die from AIDS in the '80s, I mean, I mean that was that like mm. uh, first thing that comes in my mind is like Princess Diana and that watershed moment, I guess, of her going and and touching AIDS AIDS patients. Um, you know, there was a whole lot of fear. I mean, that's a lot of heavy stuff to put on a kid. You know, yeah, to, I've had. A lot of death, and when I and plus I played sports uh, all the way from. I started when I was. We haven't even talked about that. That's the coolest part about me, I think. Um, <laughs> we so when I was seven years old, I became a goalie, and I discovered that I could read an offense before I could read. And so by the time my body caught up to what my mind could do, I took 11 other people on a ride that lasted for years. Um, but out of that, I had uh, a goalie. The reason I got the starting job was the goalie passed away. He, he died of an aneurysm wow. uh, as a child. That's bizarre to think about um let's see i had so out of that group one of them was hit by a car as an adult let's see one of them was shot um that doesn't even include my friend that was shot so technically i had two friends that were shot uh <laughs> So when he you're wanted, talking to your dad on a regular basis and yeah, yeah, back to my you're, dad. You're telling him about these things. What is he telling you? 
my mom said a month ago that she had she thought about it and she was like I had no idea you've seen this much death in your life you know yeah <laughs> I mean that's I've, yeah. I've only had a few people that I've known like die you know in, yeah. in my life that I knew or was close to and yeah you know, by comparison, like, yeah, you kind of do seem like the Grim Reaper. <laughs> I mean, well, it's. That's what my sister calls me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. yeah. My my dad has a, a saying, um, you know, I've, I've always been an overthinker in, in a lot of ways and maybe uh, a little too concerned with the world and things that I don't have control over. And um, my dad. I think I asked him about death one time and he was like, you know, what does it matter? You know, I think oh, he, uh, I, he, his, his philosophy was is that whenever he pulls up to the finish line, he doesn't want to be in like a perfect shape and great looking. He wants to be burned up with a drink in his hand, just completely falling apart whenever he crosses the finish line. Uh, <laughs> I've got a funny story about that, that I learned as a, as a young man, uh, you know, a child. So I used to be goalie, right? Yeah. And the league I was in, like, I was really good. Yeah, I was really good. I won't bore you with how good I was, but I was really good. And so there was some roster manipulation that had to happen for reasons I don't quite recall right now. But it was like I was on this other team with my rival, my the only goalie that could touch me, statistically, you know. And for reasons I don't remember, both of us were on the sideline. And even though, like, I knew I would be back on my team next week, I still took this game personally, you know. I was still emotionally invested in all that, right? Right. And so I was mad because the, like, the, this you know the backup goalie was really stinking up the joint like just really terrible and i look over at this guy that was just this amazing goaltender like just an amazing goaltender and he was just smiling he just had this zen look on his face that i've never forgotten and he said i said why aren't you mad you should take pride in this she's you should be proud of, of your work you should be proud of your your position and he said because i was thinking about my mother's tamales <laughs> and i was like well why aren't you mad and he was like because i can't fix anything right now <laughs> as soon as the coach tapped my shoulder I'll go fix the, I'll try and fix the situation. But right now I'm thinking about my mother's tamales. And I love tamales. <laughs> so now I'm thinking about his mother's tamales too. <laughs> well, so the kid who told me that was 14. So imagine being that wise at the age of 14. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I was not anywhere close to being that wise. <laughs> At so, that age. But yeah, that is some wisdom right there from a child. <laughs> oh, 
I have struggled to remember that every single day ever since. You know? Don't worry about situations you can't control. You know, and this is why I do this podcast. And I'm glad that, I mean, you essentially talked me into doing an interview sooner rather than later in, in my podcast career. But um, it's stuff like this, you know, I yeah. I hear from people is, uh, you know, it's, it, it's rather poignant stuff. And I wish that people had told me whenever I was growing up. I had this idea when I was going to do a podcast that I had this idea that I was going to do a high concept history podcast like Dan Carlin did does or like Patrick Wyman. But then I was talk to people promoting my show. I would talk to people about their lives off air. And I realized that was the show. Honestly, I realized that we're going through something in 2022 and 2020 and 2021. That's just bonkers and needs to be, memorialized somehow okay and that's the truth <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's the that's the truth yeah um i've got another question for you okay um, <laughs> and i already you know for people that are listening i've already kind of gotten a, a an idea of what he's his his thoughts were so it was it was really a kind of a, a question and answer that I'm like, I need more clarification on this. So the question was, and is how old were you when your father gave you advice in marriage and what was his advice? But, and I think that you answered as your mom gave you some advice. My mom told my mom used to say, and she might still say, I don't know, but she used to say that when you marry somebody, you marry into the family. And even at the age of 10, I, I understood that was like the stupidest, <laughs> worst piece. Jesus, that's terrible advice. Don't, don't ever marry somebody based on how their family is. Don't ever do that. Um, <laughs> you know, you're not living with their, you're not living with them. You're living with the other person. Okay. <laughs> For one, well, sometimes, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, okay, sure, right, no, that happens for sure, but also, like, don't, um, I don't know, it was, <laughs> you know, what I'm saying, um, yeah, yeah, I tell you what, it definitely makes things easier if your families get, get along together, but that's there's a lot of truth in that, there's a whole lot of truth in that. But I, I can definitely see why you would kind of buck that trend, you know, or that 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 advice yeah. because, um, you know, I've, yeah. I've let's put it this way: I've, I've been married twice. Yeah. Well, actually, I, I like to say I've been married once because my current marriage is still good. So, <laughs> but the previous marriage, um, I got along with my uh, ex-wife's family pretty well, and I think their family and my family got along. Okay, I guess. And, yeah. um, you know, after the divorce, you know, where do you go from there? You know, are you still yeah. friends? And it seemed like, you know, it was like um, these alliances and it was political and it was like, okay, you guys have said you're not going to be together. Everything is over. 
you know, and it's just like this gulf or chasm just erupts immediately. My sister had an ex-boyfriend that I really did like. Um, Actually. And I guess I can say this on your podcast. Uh, (laughs) What the hell? He was a guest on my show. Oh, wow. He he grew up to become an engineer. Um, And I had him on my show to talk about engineering. We didn't talk about personal stuff on air. But we talked about him being an engineer and what he saw going on. And, you know, he actually pointed out some stuff that I wouldn't have realized, which is like he thinks... I forget right now the room in the house, but there's a room in the house he thinks is the dining room. (laughs) That's it. He (laughs) said the dining room is going to go away because when I think about it, like me and my wife and all my friends, like when we do cook, we almost never have friends over. But I wonder with COVID, like if that's still true. You know, I've I've got to... I've got, a, I've got an insight into that. Um, yeah. So we were shopping for houses for the better part of six months this year because of the way the housing market was. And mm-hmm. there was very few places that had been remodeled that had a dining room. You know, there were a few. And our realtor said, you know, yeah, it's kind of essentially kind of going away. But to your point, you know, has that changed during COVID? We've spent a lot of time hanging around the the dining room table, if you will. Now our kitchen and dining room are essentially one big open concept. So Mm. you you hear that, but um, it definitely seems to be the, the activity center, the hub of everything that kind of goes in the house. So it's, I wouldn't say the dining room has kind of gone away. I think it's really kind of morphed and transmogrified into something more during COVID, but yeah, definitely around that table. Yeah, well, here's a thought that I've been having for a while. Um, So when you look at history, you look at the built environment. And when you think about the lack of a dining room, what does that really say? It says that I'd rather eat out with my friends or I'd rather sit around a television than talk to my friends. Right. Well, what happens when you involve a plague? And so you have people that friends have died or friends have gotten injured and and you really want to treasure each other's company. And maybe you could do that at a restaurant, but also maybe you couldn't like, because you have to go, there's a pressure to go, you know, I don't know. Let me ask you this. Um, Whenever you go home and, or whenever you've been at home, where do your parents eat? Because mine eat at the, the bar in, in the kitchen. And that's where we're at. We never go to the dining room because it's it's another complete room. But everything happens at that kitchen bar. And that's where my dad is. That's his seat. That's yeah. where everything happens. <laughs> they eat at the they eat in front of the television. Um, okay. Which is funny because growing up, like dad would eat in front of the television. Mom, with mom, that was like a rule. Like, you cannot, with my mother, that was like, you cannot, like, you, you could maybe sneak a box of Cheez-Its into the living room, but that was it. Like, you're a popcorn or something, but 
I mean, they'll have full on meals in front of the TV now. And it's like, what the hell? Like, when did this happen? You know, as a family, we've at one point in our old house, we always ate in front of the TV and we had kids and we're like, well, we don't want them to learn that bad habit. So we tried to incorporate the table and, you know, having a TV and I don't know, we, we kind of lost sight of that. But whenever we moved to the new house, we said, we're not going to have a TV up here in, you know, the kitchen area and um, dining room, if you will, big, big all you know, room. Um, and yeah. now it's this fight for volume <laughs> with our devices. So my yeah. son's got a device, my daughter's got a device. And then we're like, you turn yours down. No, you turn yours down. And it's like, it's the same thing. Like we just yeah. haven't, we haven't accepted, like, this is what we do nowadays. This is, this is what happens. Like you're yeah. going to eat dinner and watch something. And what's so crazy to me is like, I think back at this, I had a, I had a girlfriend um, while I was getting my master's and she was a nurse. Um, She was working as a nurse and she, her house, first of all, she had a house, which for as young as she was, that's kind of remarkable, but yeah, she had a house. Well, I remember going over to it and we, I'm a really good cook. Awesome. Okay. And I was, we were, I was going to make fish, fish, uh, soup. I call it fish stew, but whatever. It's just, you know, fish and some ingredients and whatever else. Okay, fine. But I'm looking at her house and I kept thinking that she lived with an aunt or like a mother or something, because you saw like China, like China, like, um, a dining room. There was a kitchen table and a dining room table there for like a single lady. There was a kitchen table, a dining room table, China dishes. Um, and it just was strange, not in a bad way, but strange. Did, did you ask her why she had that? Yeah. She just wanted it. She said, you know, for some reason that reminds me of the, uh, this, the story I hear mothers talk about why yeah. um, they would cut the ends off the ham and, you know, the, you know, well, my grandmother did it and she, her mother did it. And, you know, you kind of trace it all down and they were like, because that's how big the pan was. You had to cut it off to fit it in the pan. And so it just kind of became one of those things. Like it was a necessity at one point. Now it's like just tradition. And uh, <laughs> I totally get it. You know, and kind of the dining room is that type of thing. It's like, well, we grew up with a dining room. Why wouldn't we have a dining room? It's like, well, do you use it? Not really. There you go. Yeah, my my parents use our use the dining room as a a game room essentially. Like, there's a lot of board games in there now. They play they play a lot of games. That's that's awesome. I wish. We did more board games and well, it just, it doesn't really happen that much, but I'm saying like board games are going through a renaissance. I'm, I'm just saying they really are. It's not, just, are. it's not just all clue and, 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 uh, whatever else I grew up with as a kid. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, w- without getting into 
another tangent. I think video games in general um, has taken out a lot of the fun aspect of of doing things with other mm. people. Mm. I mean, it's awesome that I could play games with somebody across the world and, you know, have these kind of challenges. But yeah, I think you know, COVID has made people miss each other and really understand that personal under reaction and, you know, back mm. and forth with, you know, something in that regards. Now I've got friends who are complete introverts who they're like, no, I love this. I don't want to see anybody ever again. <laughs> My cousin, um, my cousin, when she was living with my parents for a while, um, she would do that. She would play these games, but the, what she would do is she would just walk around in the game. She wasn't playing it. She was walking around in it. I just, I don't know. Part of me thinks it's sad. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, I, I, I could get that. Um, yeah. I, I think um, some of the the worst advice, and maybe this is a great segue into some of the worst advice that your father ever gave you, but the worst <laughs> advice my father ever gave me was that um, you can't make money at playing video games. <laughs> um, and you should never, you shouldn't consider that a career. Of course, you know, there was probably some F-bombs in there. Um, and nowadays, people are literally getting paid mega money to play video games. So thanks, Dad, for for that horrible advice that somehow or another I knew was wrong, but I went ahead and decided that he was right. <laughs> so for you, Ben, like what was the worst advice that your dad, your dad ever gave you or your mother? Oh God. Um, I want to preface this by saying that unless your head is to the ground, like unless your ears to the ground of society, there's a point at which the advice you give a young person just doesn't hold anymore. Yeah. Unless, unless of course, you're like a, somebody like me who talks to people all over the world and like you see it. Like I can see this new world coming into being. Okay. Um, so, like, I would tell somebody the opposite of what I was told. Okay, I, I would literally say, look, what you need to do is they have these online courses with Google or whatever. <laughs> uh, do that. <laughs> okay. Um, also, you want to find... It's amazing how many people that I interact with through this podcast and other stuff who they're programmers, but they never, they never sat one day in college. Yeah. I feel just, that one. It's just amazing. Um, the thing I've learned, the under, here's the, so why is my podcast a history podcast? Here is a thing going on across the planet that I did not know about until I started talking to folks all over the world. One, people are learning English. People that don't speak English natively are learning English. Okay? Two, American culture is, if not everywhere, a lot of places, to some right. degree or other. 
Uh, three, if you take a person in Venezuela or Mexico and you give that person an internet connection and you give them the desire to learn English and the desire to better themselves, they're going to learn coding. They'll also joke with you and laugh around, blah, blah, blah. And I don't want to say like they're all like 50-year-olds trapped in 20-year-old bodies, but because they're not, okay? Hey, I resemble that statement almost. almost but, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like they, they, all, they never joke around, but it's like these people have a single have a single-minded desire to better themselves. Yeah. Okay. Um you're not going to be able to sit in a classroom and replicate that energy. You're just not. And you're talking to somebody who spent 13 years in college. <laughs> okay? There's no way you're going to be able to replicate that energy. So what I'm telling you is my dad said education is the most valuable thing you can have. And what I'm saying is maybe that's right, but it's not going to come out of a classroom. Right. I've actually got a, a very on point discussion with that. So yeah. my daughter, she's, she's 12 now. Um, she really likes video games. She likes drawing. She likes anime, which is yeah pretty on point for most 12 year old girls. But she told me she wanted to be a, a, a game programmer. She wanted to make mm -hmm. games. I was like, okay, cool. So she's telling me about her school and you know how they have a course curriculum and all that stuff. And I immediately tell her, I'm like, it's probably not what you want. And so I kind of tell her, you know, like I've got a background in IT and, you know, like I dropped out of college for, for multiple reasons, but I got way more relevant experience, better experience than yeah. most colleges would have because that curriculum's old. What's happening new in tech is, you know, the latest greatest is what you kind of have to keep, keep running. You have to kind of keep up with them every day or, or else you're just going to fall behind. But I was telling her, I was like, okay, well we need to find you the latest, greatest game development tools and whatnot. So it was, it was pretty much an eye opener for her. Um, you know, even for me, I was like, yeah. oh, wow. Look at all the things that have changed since the last time I thought I had an interest in this. Um, and I was like, the school is, way out of touch um but yeah you know kind of going into the whole thought of like there's people that don't have a college degree that just dive into some area of technology programming yeah. or graphics or whatever and they're creating the future um like gates gates never graduated from college you know he just jumped straight into business and whatnot yeah. so I tell my daughter this all the time and it wasn't something my dad passed along. Although I wish he did no. was, you know, do what makes you money as a career. Yeah. And use that money and do what you, what you love, but don't, don't confuse the two. Don't go out and do what you love because it may not make you money. You may not be happy with it. Well, what I'll say is, um, honestly, what I'll say is, I think one of the biggest, I tell this to people, I, I tell this to people on Twitter, I tell this to people in my family, I tell this to people, my friends, I'm going to tell it to you, okay? 
you cannot understand our time. And I'm talking from a history perspective, from a historian perspective, right? You cannot understand, these, these historians cannot understand our time in the future, right? Without understanding two things. First, the college industry in this country is dying. And not just in the country, in the world. It's dying. The second thing is the, the media in this country is there's just not enough there's too much media and not enough people almost it's when i went to when i learned about the media and when i started working in the media we were it was drilled into me by my boss and by my professors and by just people i worked with there's too much news that happens in a day okay now we have the opposite problem there's just not enough news. There's literally not enough news that can happen for all these websites and blogs and and cable networks and, and there's not enough. So they gotta sensationalize. You know. Yeah, I can see that. Um Yeah, we're like a like a newspaper. You know, I used to work in newspapers way back in the day and you yeah. know it it seems kind of cute and antique that you know <laughs> you would spend all this day pulling in stories from the ap newswire or you know, maybe you've got some local reporters and you, you pop in a few stories maybe that you've been working on for several days and you publish a paper and it comes out you know you know it's it's done by like 10 at night and then it it's it's at your front door in the morning but yeah. What's happened since then a lot, you know, it's, it just, it definitely does seem so outdated, you know? Well, I mean, think about this though. I, okay. For example, I used to be on a radio, you know, I was on a radio show. There, there was a woman that she had a radio show in, in Singapore. Okay. And so for a while there, I was on her radio show every Wednesday. Now, it was happening in real time, but for me, it was morning, and for her, it was the late evening. Okay. Right. So even, I remember, you know, people being blown away by the fact that L.A. and and New York were whatever, or like L New York and Alaska, or what was it like um, New York and Kuwait? Okay. We had to wait for Kuwait or London or whatever. But now it's like you're talking like I have a podcast with a with a fellow from New Zealand. Okay, so we're all one big global village here. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, I mean I can talk to anybody at just about any point in time, as long as they're awake. Yeah, or if you're big enough, they'll wake up for you or what right. <laughs> whatever. But yeah. Uh, so the advice my father gave was to, you know, concentrate on your schooling. And, and I would say that's actually not what I would tell people today. And I, I would even say that schooling is actually where I, when I was in school, it was like a lifetime of learning situation. Whereas now it's just like a basic level and go out into the world and 
catch as catch can kind of thing. And do I think that's fair? No. Uh, do I think that's a sane way to do things? Uh, not really, but it's how it is. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, I, mean, you know, I, I would totally agree with you. Um, my father was, you know, more of, you know, he was blue collar. I mean, he had a, he had a few degrees um, that he got through the military and whatnot. Um, yeah. But he was, he was very much a hands-on kind of person. He would rather teach you a skill, but he was still, you yeah. know, you're going to go to college and you're going to do this. And um, it, it, it was pretty conflicting to see, you know, that kind of blue collar attitude, but still like you need to, you need to do it the smart way. Don't do what I did. Um, but so see, I, that made sense for then and doesn't make sense for now. It's like, right. in a way, we're going back to the 40s. Or the, the, you know what I'm saying? In a way, we're going back to the future. <laughs> Love that movie, by the way. Well, I, I meant that as like, you know, we're going back, we're going forwards, but we're looking backwards. So as a, yeah. as a student of history, um, I always kind of see things as being cyclical. Um, and a lot of people, I, I don't know, maybe they, they think of cyclical history as more of a, um, I don't know if, if I would think that they would think it's a cop out, but they, they just kind of, you know, you know, that type of thing, whatever. Um, what, see, where do you, where do you sit on the whole cyclical nature of history and um, humanity and people in general? I mean, this is kind of, kind of sort of related from, to my, from a fatherly perspective. Um, well, <laughs> Here's what I see here. So I, like I said an hour ago, I did a podcast on the Spanish flu. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I've said this, I'm going to release it today. <laughs> I already said this, but there's a lot of books that were written about the Spanish flu 20 years ago, 30 years ago, even 10 years ago. And they all talk about how, like we in the in the forwards, they all talk about how we know better. Okay, right. Um, because we're smarter, or whatever. Um, I've got neighbors that don't believe COVID's real. <laughs> I'm for real. I've got neighbors who don't believe it's real. I've got I I talked. Well, I'm okay. Um, I talked to people all the time who okay they think it's real but they don't think it's real like they think it's real but they don't think it's a thing like a problem or whatever right so there's a part of me the part of me that sat in master's classes and learned how history doesn't really repeat itself uh there's a part of me that says yeah, okay, it doesn't repeat itself because we have microchips and we have this and we have that. But in another way, it kind of does because, you know, we're the same animal. Yeah, we still have stupid people making stupid decisions and you have yeah. some people who are struggling yeah. to get to a better place. Um, yeah. I, I like the saying, there's nothing new under the sun. You know, and That's um, totally true. One of the, when I first got into history, 
it was a great um, history teacher of mine, uh, Mr. Ivy. And he told me that saying, and he kind of gave us a, a good way to relate to people is, you know, we're all the same. You know, if you look back in history, like Admiral Nelson, Lord Nelson, um, you know, he's having an affair with, you know, some lady and he's married, you know, it's, I think he even trivialized it. You know, it's like something you would see on Jerry Springer or, or whatever. Um, <laughs> you know, the only things that have changed really is, you know, maybe the the technologies, the dress and these other things. But at the core, you know, we're all human. We have to wake up and, you know, we've got to use a bathroom and, you know, we've got bills to pay and we, we want love and we want money and we want power. And there's these kind of, prevailing universal truths that are always be the things that that make us up and to me i was like that's awesome so yeah george washington's not some dead old dude you know <laughs> so one of the one of the big i guess like one of the big changes in history that we don't think about too much because it's already happened and we're just living with the consequences is this idea that adults have to be independent. Mm-hmm. That didn't used to happen. Okay. Like, so the concept of, in fact, they used to call it wage slavery. They used to call having a job and supporting yourself with a job wage slavery. Yeah. And do you know when that stopped? I'm not sure if that's really stopped. I've <laughs> I have that thought sometimes myself. Uh, no, it stopped around the time of the Civil War. Oh. Uh-huh. So that's been a big change in society. So that kind of gets us off the kind of the cycle path. Mm-hmm. But here where you have So one of the things like I've seen in my podcast is there's just tremendous income inequality in this country, especially like in the tech sector and the college, like the, the education sector, the adult education sector. So the college sector, right. And so you have professors that can't live away from mom and dad, but you have 20 year olds who are making $300,000 a year. Right. So that's new. That's totally new. And I don't know if that's going to, it's like I was talking to somebody about this. So when you talk to the ad people, when you talk to ad execs, which I do for my podcast sometimes, um, they'll all tell you off air, like we have no idea how to sell things to people anymore. Wow. What, what they mean is there used to be a thing where like people of similar education levels would hang out together. Right. And that's not true anymore because going back to that 20 year old making 300,000 and the guy in the, the guy with the PhD who has to, live with his sister or whatever because he has a PhD and he's quote educated him. He's quote overqualified for everything. Right. Unquote. Right. So how do you, 
that's going to be new. That's going to be new. And there, there's a lot of things that are going to fold into that that we've never dealt with as a species before. Right? Yeah. So, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah. One of the, we're talking about this, and I think about this word that I've heard is mixed slavery. You know, mm-hmm. where you've got people who, you know, they're they're working, you know, in kind of a, a form of indentured servitude in, in, a, in a very loose term, you know, they, mm. they're beholden to their bills and their, um, you know, their, their rent and, you know, maybe they're lucky enough to have a car, but they're, they're working at fast food establishments or, you know, jobs that other people don't want to do. And, you know, they're continually being more in debt. They're really not getting out They're They're just getting further mm. indebted to whoever. And so what- instead of being enslaved to one person, it's, corporations or mm-hmm. lifestyles or you know and whatever. what got us out of that like what got our ancestors out of that was going to america yeah so i think maybe going to mars or you know if i was to be put my historian hat on right maybe going right. to mars gets us out of that maybe going to the moon gets us out of that um yeah, yeah. i i i feel like me coming to alaska was part of the way that I kind of bucked that cycle. Um, yeah. you know, kind of like people coming to America, you know, the frontier, you know, people don't want to go, mm. you know, maybe, you know, it's a place that, mm. you know, is just, you know, there's opportunity there. You know, the same thing we're, you know, talking about people from, you know, maybe Latin America that come to this country and they're willing to do jobs that nobody else will, um, because they've got mm. that drive and determination that so many Americans, I would say, you know, just don't have, you know, we want, we want everything given to us, but there's so many Mm. people in this world who have nothing or nobody's willing to give them something. So they'll do anything and everything to to work and make something for themselves. It's, it's almost like this Mm. title shift of, you know, I was given everything and, but see the other, but see on the other side of that, if you take somebody smart enough to get a PhD and you get them realizing that this system that we currently live in doesn't honor what I have, but I can get what they say they want, you know? Yeah. Like I remember in college learning that somebody with a PhD has somebody, by the time you get a master's, you're dealing with somebody with a genius IQ. Okay. So you take a genius IQ and you put them on a problem, (laughs) you know? Yeah. You know, I mean, like I talked to, who was it? Was it one of these didn't make the air? It was like a record producer who'd been a crack addict. Wow. (laughs) And he talked about his just, You know, it sounds like a cliche, but like he said, I put my intellect that I used to have focused on how to get my next hit on how to be a record producer. And I became a record producer. You know, I mean, here's people ask me all the time what my what my favorite point of history is. 
and it's not what anybody thinks it is. It's never what anybody thinks it is. Let me tell you what it is. So, when I was in college first, I had a roommate who was a biology major. And so I have a vicarious biology degree. Okay. (laughs) So, he told me a story that I've never forgotten. At one point in our history is as Homo sapiens, okay, as not even Homo sapiens at, at that point. We were, I forget what you call it, Homo habilis or something, you know, a standing ape, a, a yeah, great Homo ape, erectus. a great ape that stood stood up. At some point, there were ten thousand of these creatures in a dry riverbed. And they come across dead and dying, basically, herbivores, right? And they decide, you know, they've got this new brain cave. They've got this new brain. They've got, and it's just, they can't do it on the whole diet of berries and leaves, okay? They can't, they're not cutting the mustard. Right. Right. The salad bar ain't doing it, right? So they got to switch teams. They got to, they got to go to team meat eater so instinctively these beings kill these animals and eat their marrow because it's all they can eat okay we descend only from the creatures that did that that's that's my favorite point in history because we switch teams it sounds like 2001 a space odyssey where <laughs> yeah you know, the the one ape throws <laughs> up the bone and hits the other one and yeah the music swells that's my favorite but see like that creature was flexible as all get out and that's how flexible we have to be to to make it in this world do you think, think we're flexible enough as a society or i think we're flexible enough as people um, I don't, you know, I'm not one of these people that's worried about will America make it because that misses the point. Right. <laughs> you know that when you talk to people, when you study history, like I have, you run across families that have stayed in the same house and that house has moved countries but the house didn't move. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I see that, you know, um, yeah, I, I think from a genealogy, genealogy perspective, um, yeah, yeah, I can trace back my family to like 1042 in France. And wow. Yeah. I mean, probably things, related. Well, possibly. <laughs> um, but you know, things have changed. I mean, countries have, change you know alliances have changed languages have changed since then Mm. and Mm. somehow or another we're still here Mm. so to me it's like Mm. like i feel like we are the the survivors of the survivors you know we've survived all these different things and you know whoever ends up living past the pandemic is just another one of you know champions i guess you know who have (laughs) gotten past all these adversities throughout history. Mm. 
there's a uh, there's a scene from my childhood that I remember. My great aunts and uncles and my on my dad's side were sitting in the in the den at my granny's house. And they were just sort of all staring off into space. You know? And I remember that more now because they went through the Spanish flu. They went through the Depression. They went, my uncles fought in World War II. <laughs> you know, one of my, two of my uncles led charges on D-Day. You know? Yeah, what would I, they say I, to us now? They'd probably be like, you know, you know, hey, suck it up. <laughs> I don't know, because I've, I've talked to people off air about some pretty bonkers things going on with COVID. Like, bonkers things. Um, and I don't know, I, probably none of that I could share with you on this podcast. <laughs> but, yeah, no... When you scratch the surface to what's happening, uh, there's a lot of bad happening. There's a lot of good, but there's a lot of bad. You know. Yeah, and, and honestly, I'm Ben. I'm I'm thankful for for you and your podcast, um, mm -hmm. and people that that do that same type of similar thing who are trying to bring some some history and some perspective to the things that are going on. Um, I think you and I had this conversation that, mm -hmm. you know, at some point, you know, several years from now, let's hope, let's hope mm -hmm. that this happens, but you know, there's going to be all these Wikipedia articles and there's going to be this deep <laughs> dive of like, here's what really happened, you know, and here's what, you know, this report and the congressional, you know, report said this and, you know, these types of things. Um, well, you know, there's going to be the, the official version and then there's going to be like, the stories from people who mm. aren't from the government or aren't from well, tenfold hat time, uh, Black Hawk <laughs> helicopter, tenfold hat time. Awesome, let's do it. Um, the heart attacks have skyrocketed in this country. Um, you've got to understand that that this is a disease of the circulatory system and of the nervous system. So heart attacks have skyrocketed. Strokes have skyrocketed. Um, when you come out of urban and suburban areas, a lot of doctors don't tell people they have COVID. Okay. Um, okay. There's a guy. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say this. There's a guy in the United States. I'm not gonna say where. <laughs> who was basically ordered by his, by the head of the hospital to go to mattress firm and buy, and buy mattresses for the hospital. Okay. All right. So think about that. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think I'm like, is yeah. that just because of so many patients or it's because, well, it's a lot of patients, but it's a lot of other stuff. It's a lot of patients that they would. So even if you just take the people that quote died of COVID unquote, which is dying of COVID that they were diagnosed with. Okay. 
That's a cancer-sized killer. Okay. So you've added a cancer. You've added cancer on top of everything else in terms of numbers. Okay. You're not talking about Betty Sue that died of a heart attack at 34. Right? You're not talking about Jim Bob, whose neighbors all passed away in one weekend. Now okay. there's a southern word or name, rather, Jim Bob. <laughs> and also Betty that. Sue. I mean, yeah. but the, these are stories that I've heard off air, but I can't say the name. So I have to say Betty Sue, Jim Bob, that kind of thing. You know, just saying. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I get it. So. Tin foil hat time. A lot more people died of COVID than there ever used to be, than anybody realizes. Yeah, uh, it, it, it'll be interesting to, um, at least for me, to read. You know the the aftermath of this. You know, and I say that in a very positive term because I'm hoping that you know there is an aftermath and you know it happens relatively soon. Well, I think one of the biggest changes is going to be people are going to be all this work from home. I think all this work from home, uh, people are going to be able to work wherever they want. And so that's going to be a destabilizer. Um, I talk to an awful lot of urban people who don't want to be urban anymore, but, but feel trapped because not because they like the coffee shop or the whatever, but because that's where the internet is. I will wholeheartedly agree with that. Home is where the internet is. You know, I talk to an awful lot of people who want to leave the city, but can't, but not because they miss the, the, the amenities or whatever, but because they need that fast internet. And, you know, so. So. Ben, I, I want to thank you for for being on the show. I think we're mm-hmm. we're probably hitting our our limits here, but um, hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. If there was one piece of advice that would sum up everything, and maybe it's a maybe it's a short uh, saying, or maybe it's a long one, what what do you think like is the best piece of advice that you could give? No, no matter the origin or whether it came from a father or not, what's the best piece of advice that you could pass along to anybody? Well, the two pieces, the two pieces of advice that I'll pass along. One was from my mother. All three. One's from my mother. One's from a coach of mine and one's from me. (laughs) Okay. The first piece of advice my mother gave me is, um, and this is for those of us, those, those of you with children, um, to have the kids play together. That, that's the best advice I ever got. Ever. Hands down. Uh, that's the first thing. The second thing. So my coach always used to say. Because every time I'd go somewhere. Every time I'd go to a, an away place. Like an away building. They would boo me. <laughs> they used to boo me all the time. <laughs> And so the coach said, if they're booing you, you're doing something right. You know, so if people are booing you, you're doing something right. Um, 
And something I would tell people is don't, we're never going back to normal. Normal for me is 1998. <laughs> okay. As soon as somebody can tell me what car to get in and where normal is and how to make the world stop, none of which can happen. <laughs> so be flexible. And don't expect the world to go back to normal. You know, you know that is that is actually a really great piece of advice, um, and that's probably not an easy thing to say. Um, <laughs> I, I go to a lot of business conferences, and you know, you, mm. at one point in the past year, we heard you know the new normal and all this other stuff, um, and then kind of dropping off the face of the of the lexicon, if you will. You know, people trying not to say normal, but invariably they do, but. It's a bold statement. You know, we're, we're not going to go back to normal. Um, well, uh, I like a, that. I'm going to chew on that thought. one for a while. Here's the thought I've got. I mean, and you might have to go, but here's the thought I keep having. How many people are dead that had a job? And leaving aside what that does to their family, that job has to be filled. Yeah. And how many people are even qualified to do that job? So how much, how many jobs are going to be done OJT, right? And how yeah. many, okay, so how much is it safe to go back to a college? Like, probably not, okay? Um, so how much training in a college setting is going to happen anyway, number one? Number two, you know, <laughs> there's just all these things that COVID just exposes that there's all this stuff that's going to go down, literally, either literally or figuratively, and people are going to keep surviving. Yeah. You know, so it sounds keep, like we're pretty far from normal, and it doesn't look like we're going to normal anytime soon. Well, who was it? I had a friend of mine say like something I thought, holy crap. Like he was talking about how the job that he had. Okay. This was before the pandemic, but it illustrates the point, right? He said that his job was to hire people. Okay, His job was to write, job listings and hire people and there were just certain jobs that he couldn't fill because nobody had those qualifications that he could legally hire and it was being a welder <laughs> right <laughs> yeah. like he couldn't legally hire a welder but he could go to home depot and get one tomorrow that's what he said and he said, that's what you need to do is don't be sending people to learn this and that. Like, look at the world around you. and What does the world need? You know? <laughs> well, I agree. But, um, the world needs a lot more understanding and mm. situational awareness, I think. Mm. Yeah, oh, for sure. <sighs> Well, I don't know how well, much of, I don't know how much of this is going to be on the cutting room floor later, but <laughs> this was fun. Well, I think most of this is going to last. Um, 
Mm. I, I think this is a great conversation and you know, kind of one that needs to be had. But um, mm. I thank you for your time today, Ben Kitchings of the uh, History Voyager podcast. Um, mm. His website is thehistoryvoyager.com, and you can find him on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere fine Cast, podcasts are Cast sold. Box, um, Cast Box. I, I tweet that link out now on Twitter. Uh, I'm at let me see. I'm at Ben's Charlie on Twitter. Um, yeah, but Hey, thank you, Thomas. This was awesome. I wholeheartedly agree. Um, you can be on my show anytime. <laughs> same, same. <laughs> That's it for another episode of you're not my father. Be sure to subscribe to us and get your weekly dose of you're not my father. We're available on Apple, Google, Spotify, Anchor, and more. Anywhere fine podcasts are sold. Now, if you found this podcast useful, please spread the word on social media. Tell your friends, your pets, or anybody else who listen to you, including Godzilla. You can also follow us on Facebook.com slash YNMF show. And so that's it for us today. Uh, remember, if you're a fan of us, then by God, we are a fan of you. So take it easy. Stay positive. Remember, good vibes only, bruh. <laughs>